Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hi. I'm uh, just feeling in this moment, this is a, a practice of getting in touch with experience in the present moment, just feeling a lot of um, joy and gratitude uh, and uh, excitement uh, as we we start this together. Uh, I'll just say if for any reason my voice drops and you can't hear, just raise your raise your hand so uh, I want you to hear me. Uh, first, I want to uh, say how grateful I am to uh, Anton from the very beginning, just saying, uh, oh yes, we can sponsor a retreat, and didn't know what kind of help would materialize, but um, Helen and, and others uh, have stepped forward, and Helen, who'd not ever done registration before, said, yeah, I'll do that and managing here, and uh, I think you can hear just in, in her presentation the, the, the care and thoughtfulness and the, the um, respect for the Dharma that, that, that you have. So it's really beautiful to hear you, and, uh, and thank you for being here. And thank you so much, not only for getting this whole thing uh, together, Anton, but for cooking for 40 people all the meals and just diving in. He will have, uh, a, an angel came uh, just yesterday and uh, uh, named Aladdin, who will, uh, literally named Aladdin and said, oh, I can help too. So he might be coming in from time to time. But, uh, Aladdin, or his wife Tess, actually. Or his wife Tess. Uh -huh. So it's... Hmm. So all of um, all of these um, the confluence of, uh, of events and and people showing up so that we could practice together, and uh, of course I have to include uh, Lynn Stewart in the back and Steph Tomacek who are hosting me and uh, who. Uh, really are the the catalysts for uh, for my coming again uh, really good friends and to to be here with Jill who's uh, a friend of many years um, it's just my mind is now just going into all the things that had to come together for us to be here and then might reflect in your own life all the circumstances that had to come together for you to be here, the support that you received from people who uh, at home, whether it's at work or uh, in, your, in your other areas of your life, who are supporting you in coming here. Um, and all the factors that bring us all together, we all have come here together to create this practice community 
just amazing um, confluence of karmic events to bring us all together here so that we could share in the Dharma and in our own practice and be supported by all of us. Um, quite extraordinary. And I want to say within that, just the, the next um, reflection is that everybody here belongs. It is not an accident that you're here and that this would not be the same community without you. Uh, some people who've been practicing for many years are here and share their own Dharma experience. And some people who are brand new, who are wondering what they've got themselves into maybe, or uh, wondering how it's going to be. Uh, it's so um, special that here we are and you bring that uh, beginner's mind uh, no matter if you've had a lot of experience or no experience, we all belong and we are creating this community together. And uh, when I reflect on the good karma to not only be interested in the Dharma, but have circumstances provided for us all to practice, um, we share in, uh, in these blessings together. <clears throat> So I'm really happy. <clears throat> Something that um, I want to say at the outset, particularly if you are new to this experience, is you can't do it wrong. You don't worry about passing the retreat. You can't fail it. Isn't that comforting? <clears throat> you will get just the retreat that uh, you need to get. And sometimes uh, the process is um, so uh, heart opening and delightful and delicious. And sometimes it can be challenging. Uh, sometimes you'll see parts of you that you didn't know the beauty inside. And sometimes you'll see parts of you that you uh, hope that maybe you'll get rid of by the end of the retreat. Let go of any agenda. The practice is to open up and see the whole show. The, uh, the beautiful, the not so beautiful, all part of you, your own humanness. And you don't have to get rid of anything. You don't have to make anything happen. The idea is to just allow for whatever is here to be here and to hold it with a very kind and loving awareness. That's all you need to do. And we'll be reminding you of this uh, again and again. All you need to do is show up with a kind heart and with sincerity and um, the practice will unfold uh, as it does. Mm.
This is um, an adventure that we're embarking on. And, uh, and Jill uh, was, was talking earlier about, uh, about seeing this as, uh, as all entering a, a journey together. And that's exactly the, the image that I often uh, share uh, at the beginning of a retreat. We're journeying, in, journeying into the unknown um, with some really good tools and uh, some supportive guidance. But this is uh, a journey where we're all supporting each other into seeing the human experience. And I think of it as, um, in a very profound way, making friends with ourselves, with everything inside, and through making friends with this being, this mind and this body, that we can um, understand the commonality that we all share, and even beyond the human, uh, this personal experience, uh, see some very profound um, understandings about life. The Buddha has a, a, a lovely teaching. He says, in this fathom-long body, six feet, do you use feet? You don't use feet here in Australia. You do? Okay. Six feet, give or take about a foot and a half standard deviation. Um, in this fathom-long body, all of life is revealed. Suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, the path leading to the end. Everything is, can be found right within this body. So this is your laboratory to understand the human experience. And whatever you see, uh, you will, uh, the more you can see it, as I said, with that loving awareness, the more you can relate and understand that um, we all share a commonality within this. I'll mention just a, a few uh, points about this mindfulness practice, the essence of mindfulness practice, and then a little bit about uh, some attitudes that I find helpful to bring to a retreat. What we're doing here is very simple, just knowing what's happening now without adding on our um, editorial comments about how we'd like it to be or how we wish it would be uh, or how um, it's going the way it's supposed to be now or it's not going the way it's supposed to be now. All we need to do is know what's happening now in a very non-judging and um, present way. That means to see things just as they are, which is the, the one translation for the word vipassana. I'm sure most of you uh, have heard that Pali word, <laughs> vipassana, which literally means to see things just as they are. So it makes it so much easier to know that you don't have to make anything 
happen, all you need to do is just see what's really here. So if you are having a, a sweet meditation, lovely. If you're having a boring meditation, ah, that's what's happening now. If you're feeling uh, sad, oh, this is sad Buddha right now. If you're feeling joyful, oh, joyful Buddha. Just, this is the way it is. And you don't need to embellish it or deny it or pretend. Just seeing clearly what is the truth right now in this moment. Second aspect of this Vipassana, this mindfulness practice, is um, being here, here in the present moment instead of in the past or in the future or in our fantasies. That's where many of us spend a lot of time. And it takes some practice to be here right now. It's easier said than done. The mind has such an amazing capacity to be lost in uh, past, future, or fantasy. It uh, takes some real um, practice and commitment and willingness to come into this moment right here. And if you find that your mind has wandered someplace else, here's the secret. Don't take it personally. It's just what minds do. This is part of that seeing the laboratory of who you are. And when you realize that you've been gone, to just come back. It's as simple as that. But here is where life is happening. Everything else is secondhand. As beautiful as it is to have, have a, um, a vision uh, or a goal of what you'd like to see happen, and I'm all in favor of, of having um, visions and intentions and goals, um, if we're living in the future, we miss out on our life right now. Or if we are fearing the future, we're certainly um, putting in some unnecessary time because we don't know what's going to happen then. And if we're living in the past either with nostalgia, which is, uh, uh, can be a very beautiful uh, reflection, um, or with regret and replaying things over and over, if that's where we're spending most of our time, we're missing out on life right now. So very simply to see and to learn more and more that the present is where it's at. The present is where we're fully alive. Third aspect of this mindfulness, as you start to pay attention to the present, something becomes increasingly clear. And that is that the present is constantly changing. Now this might not be news to you. And probably if somebody asks you, do things change, you would likely say, yeah, things change. But we don't live often with an embodied understanding that everything changes. And so it's quite common for us to 
feel maybe that we're in a hard place and wonder if we'll ever get out, if we'll ever change. When you see for yourself that things change, you're not quite feeling as stuck. Oh yes, okay, this is what's here now. What can I learn from it? And there's not that contraction or fear. Ah, this is this moment to wake up to. The converse is no matter how good this moment is, it will change. So we forget this when we say, wow, I finally got my life together and I've been working hard for a long time and here it is, I've finally clear sailing from now on. Uh, of course, you might hear the absurdity in that thought, but we forget that things change, no matter how beautifully they've come together for us. So here on the retreat, when we are um, learning and seeing for ourselves how moment after moment after moment our experience is changing, we start to get this embodied understanding. You're sitting here in the, in the meditation, in the, in the hall, and one moment it might be restless, and the next moment it might be calm, or one moment it might be hearing, and another moment it might be feeling a sensation, or breathing, or noticing a mood. Don't think you're doing it wrong if you see everything is changing all the time. You're getting the truth of experience, and when you can settle back and see, I don't have to make the show happen. I can just be here and be present for the show. It changes everything. Because then you can respond wisely to your current experience instead of feeling you've got to manipulate something. Oh, sometimes it comes and it's beautiful. Sometimes it comes and it's challenging but there is the capacity to be with it all that we are accessing. Not only be with it all and endure it, but be with it all and open up to tremendous wisdom and uh, kindness that is our true nature. And then the, the one more thing I'll mention about mindfulness to just uh, keep, keep in mind besides seeing things clearly, noticing, being in the present, noticing how things change. And this last one is a key, and that is to not get caught in our judgments about how things should be. That is a non-judging awareness. This is easier said than done. Because you might just say, oh, I'll just get rid of all my judgments and I'll be fine. Um, good luck. The judgments come naturally out of our mind. And some judgments are important to observe and see what's so and make decisions on what needs to be done. But often the judging mind that gets in the way is a contraction that has a a finger wagging at us, you better not blow it, or how could you get lost again in this, or 
gosh, your mind is still wandering and it's the third day or whatever. Don't wait for those judgments to go away. Here's the secret. Just don't judge them. They're part of experience. And you, could, you can get caught in one layer of judgment on top of another. Here you are sitting and realizing that you're getting caught and then you notice, oh, that was a judgment. And then you hear that tone in your voice and say, oh, that was another judgment. <laughs> oh, and now I'm judging the judging. And you can add one layer on top of another and there's no way out of that until you see very simply, oh, and there's judging in the mind without any judgment about it. It's just what minds do. And so we'll be sharing again and again, reminding you to be kind with your observation. The key attitudes that I have in doing uh, a period of practice, and I'm going to get to do, by the way, a week after I come back, I'm going to uh, go back to the States. I'm going to be uh, having my own practice period. So I'm, you're going to warm me up. and you know, Oh, good. Yeah, this is good stuff. Uh, the key attitudes that I have are uh, just bringing a, a sincerity of heart. That's all you need to do. Uh, just showing up with as goodwill and a willingness to be here as best you can. And having, um, reminding yourself that this process happens when the mind is relaxed and at ease. The more you try hard, you might come into uh, meditation. I've had this experience coming into the hall. And I'm going to be mindful if it kills me. It might if you have that kind of an attitude. No, you won't. But... That won't help. I'm going to really try hard to be mindful. In that over-efforting, the mind can become very tight. So you don't get any extra points for struggling and straining. Having the mind be relaxed and at ease is really an aid, not only to mindfulness, but to concentration as well. A second attitude that I find very helpful is um, to bring an interest to the moment. This is a moment of your life that's never been here before and will never come here again. And to bring a child's, a childlike interest and wonder to the moment is really the spirit of practice that I find very helpful. If you're whether uh, that image of childlike wonder uh, doesn't quite fit for you, uh, if you have a scientific uh, mind to be a scientist, be an explorer, and just check out with interest, because that's the heart of what a scientist is coming, coming from anyway. I just want to know. And that interest makes everything come alive. 
I'm just thinking right now, I have a, I have a birthday card at home um, that I've never sent to anyone because I love it so much. I don't want to part with it. <clears throat> Actually, I just found it again, so I have two, two copies of it. Maybe I'll send it to somebody sometime, but I'm going to keep one. And it's of this, uh, this uh, the front is a baby, an infant, on the, on the front, the picture of him. And he's mesmerized. This might, might be a bit much for you. This might be a little California for you. I don't know. Uh, but he's mesmerized um, by holding in his hand, uh, we, I don't know if it's a, an American word or if you have it in Australia. Do you use the word bugger? You know what a bugger is? Bugger? Right out of his nose. <clears throat> and there he is, cross-eyed, fascinated, practically cross-eyed, but just intent, looking with fascination. And you open it up and it says, you always were easy to entertain. Happy birthday. <laughs> if that strikes a chord in you, let your childlike wonder that is just curious to see what is happening in this moment. No failing it, but just looking at it and being interested uh, and being playful in it. I like to make the practice like a game. Let's see how, how present I can be this sitting. Uh, and let's see how present I can be for this moment. Very, then, then the efforting changes to just interest. So a relaxed awareness an interested awareness and a kind awareness. Those are the, the three qualities, a kind awareness. The awareness that is not taking it personally and when you realize that your mind has wandered, no problem at all. Just what minds do and you bring it back in a very loving way. If you can remember Every time your mind wanders is an opportunity to practice kindness and not taking it personally. Then you can be um, in on the joke. You can have a sense of humor instead of being the butt of the joke. Instead of saying, oh, there I am. Look at my mind. Ugh. You know. If you can change from, oh, look at my mind, to, wow, look at the mind. Isn't it amazing? and not take it personally, that's where the kindness comes in. And you are bringing it back with lots of love. An image that, that's often used, we've been using for years on retreat, is uh, training a puppy dog to stay on some paper. You know, you have a puppy, you don't want it jumping out into the street or jumping on people. You want it to stay when you say stay. And what happens? Put that puppy on paper, <laughs> wanders off here, and then you bring it back. Okay, stay. And then it wanders off here. Come on back. Stay. Stay. You don't want to beat it for wandering off. It doesn't know any better, right? But if you bring it back with love each time and kindness, it's okay. Come on. Stay. After a while, 
it starts to get it. Think of your mind as a cute, frisky, energetic puppy dog that doesn't know any better. And every time it's gone, come on back. It's okay. That's where the kindness comes in. And it is the basis for the mind settling down and uh, seeing clearly what's here. And once you do, over the course of the days, and it takes a few days to settle in, you'll see, um, for most people, as you do, if you can bring it back with a great kindness each time, you start to train the mind. It's very trainable. And you start to see what this mind and body process is about and see that you can be kind to it. And the more kind you are to this, the more you are to everybody around you. It just naturally translates into a greater kindness to everyone that you meet. And the more you are willing to train your mind and see what's here, life reveals itself. And there's a a wisdom that starts to open up. And most profoundly, the more you learn to come back to this moment again and again in that kind way, you touch a place of peace and freedom that has been here all along. That you don't just touch on a retreat, but the more you develop connection to it here, the more it's available to you throughout your life. So it's a very profound, very simple but profound practice we're doing here. And basically to remember and we'll remind you to be kind, be interested, and um, let your mind be spacious and at ease while showing up as sincerely as you can. And what and we'll do everything we can to create the conditions with uh, Anton cooking food for us and Helen creating a container and, and Jill and I supporting your process. But this is a, a practice of ma- you making friends with yourself. And our job is to just uh, support that as best we can. And we'll, ha- we'll give instructions each day. Uh, we'll give a talk each evening. And we'll have interviews, a chance for you to, to check in at least every other day. And if in between the, uh, the interviews uh, something comes up, um, first hang out with it on your own because most of the time you'll come up with your own answers and that's the most empowering. But if you feel stuck and uh, feel a, a need to check in, then uh, by all means uh, let us know. You can write us a note and uh, we can just uh, set up a time to check in. So uh, it's with um, enthusiasm and uh, again gratitude and um, mm, mm, joy that uh, we embark, that I embark on this with you and uh, here we all are just supporting each other together and uh, I look forward to spending the next, uh, next days with you. So that's it.
enough for now. And Jill has some some words and uh, on creating a most supportive container for us. So I just wanted to echo Jane mm. saying how you know, Yeah. So just echoing James, just wanted to say how delighted I am to be here with all of you. I did actually live in Melbourne many years ago now and feeling a great sense of um, appreciation for being back in, in this territory and to be here with all of you. It's really, I'm very happy. So thank you for being here. And thank you to James for giving us that very beautiful overview of the practice that we're going to be doing here over the next few days. And so I just wanted to offer as support for that. As James said in the beginning, it feels like we're setting out on this journey, this adventure together. And in the spirit of doing that with as much relaxation and ease and kindness as possible, there are things that we can cultivate as supports for this inner exploration. Because I just want to acknowledge that it's not always easy to kind of extricate ourselves from our regular lives, come to this new location, being with new people. For some of you, this is your first time being on retreat. So we can together weave these conditions that are really supportive for that inner exploration. And in the Maori culture in New Zealand, they have a tradition of beautiful basket work using flax to weave together these baskets that they keep their treasure in, their taonga. And I think that what we're doing here over these few days is really creating a container that allows us to develop the treasure of our hearts. So in a way, that's my metaphor for this process that we're doing. And each one of us is like a strand of that container. So we're weaving together to create this support for our treasure. And one of the supports for that traditionally is taking what are known as the three refuges. So going for refuge to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. If you're not familiar with Pali words, Pali is the language that the Buddha's teachings were transmitted in. I'll go into it in a little more detail. But the first one, taking refuge in the Buddha, is really that acknowledgement that as a Buddha was a human being who really attained the highest potential that a human being can. So that radical freeing of the heart and mind. So when we take refuge in the Buddha, it's not that we're taking any belief system on, it's that we're tuning into our own hearts and minds and really orienting ourselves, aligning ourselves with our deepest aspirations and our highest potential. So it's really the Buddha within ourselves, our own potential that we can orient towards. The Dharma is the truth that James was talking about, seeing things clearly. Vipassana or insight practice is all about seeing how things are. And Dharma is one of those Pali words that has multiple meanings, one being the truth, natural law, and the teachings of the Buddha. So when we take refuge in the Dharma, we're orienting ourselves to really seeing clearly.
clearly to seeing how things are and to living in alignment with the truth of how things are. And then the Sangha, the community of people who are following these teachings, who share this aspiration, this is what we have here today. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes I reflect on what would it be like to do this practice by myself? And can you imagine coming into the hall, sitting here by yourself for 45 minutes, ringing a bell for yourself, going outside, walking for half an hour, ringing a bell for yourself, coming back in day after day after day? You're laughing maybe because you recognize that that would be really challenging. And yet here we all are just by showing up, by offering the gift of your presence to each other, you're helping to weave this container that we all can benefit from. So that's a beautiful offering right there. And I really want to just say uh, not to take that for granted. You know, one of the benefits of my current situation is that I get to travel around the world and uh, offer teachings to people in sometimes fairly remote places and even some more well-known places. It's surprising actually how rare it is to have an opportunity to do this kind of thing. So for example, recently I was in Denmark country of six million people and in the whole country there's only one insight meditation teacher in this tradition for six million people and there's one sitting group that meets once a month so to have something like Melbourne insight that can be a foundation for bringing together these kind of retreats it's actually a pretty rare and precious thing in terms of what's happening in the whole world so Again, just to acknowledge and appreciate that you've all made the most of this opportunity. So that's also an expression of Sangha showing up. So traditionally, uh, we can chant the refuges in Pali. And if that doesn't really mean anything to you, I'm just going to um, chant them in Pali so you get a sense of the traditional language and in a way, you can think of it as like crossing the threshold, so starting this journey together. If you know the words and you would like to chant along with me, feel free. If I'm chanting by myself, that's also totally fine. So just to offer that. Purdam saranam gachami Dhamam saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Dutiam pi burtam saranam gachami Dutiam pi damam saranam gachami Dutiam pi sangam saranam gachami Tatiampi Buddham Saranam Gachami Tatiampi Dhamam Saranam Gachami Tatiampi Sangam Saranam Gachami Beautiful, thank you. 
So we have the refuges that help create this sense of safety and ease. And in the same spirit, we traditionally take what are known as the five training precepts, which is really a commitment to non-harming. And in a way, all of the Buddha's teachings are aiming towards this uh, deepest expression of non-harming. So these training precepts uh, are just around having ethical integrity. So things like not killing, not stealing, not misusing our sexual energy, not lying, and not (coughs) taking intoxicants. That's in their most simple expression. And when we commit to behaving in this way, we're protecting not only each other, but also ourselves. So when, our, uh, when we're committed to non-harming, we can be, have a mind that's free from remorse and guilt and anxiety and fear and shame. So we're protecting ourselves and creating a strong foundation for our inner explorations here. And of course, we're also protecting each other and not only human beings, but all living beings. So in the traditional expression of these precepts, the first one is I undertake the training precept not to kill living beings. So that includes all forms of wildlife, perhaps forms of life that we don't normally pay much attention to, perhaps ants or if it's raining, slugs, or spiders, or mosquitoes. So this becomes quite a refined mindfulness training when we're walking in the evenings, or perhaps after rain, and there's slugs or snails on the path, remembering that precept to really take care. Or if there's ants coming to the honey, rather than just reaching for the fly spray, seeing how can I take care and clean up after myself so that the ants don't come. So very refined potential expression of mindfulness. And this is also about not intentionally killing. So don't have to get too neurotic about not standing uh, you know, to be mindful. But if you accidentally step on an ant, it's the intention that's important here. In a similar way with the second one, I undertake the training, the training precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. So that can sound quite cumbersome, but it's really an invitation to practice not only not stealing, but to really be clear, is something freely offered or not? So if there's a packet of biscuits out on the counter and we happen to be really hungry, speaking for myself, do I just open them and assume, yes, that's freely offered, and then afterwards realize, actually, that was someone's personal supply and it had their name on it, but I didn't see in in my fit of greed. So just to be aware of not um, just helping oneself to somebody else's property and to be really clear that it is actually offered for our use. The third one is to undertake the training precept to abstain from harmful sexual activity. And in a retreat context, that means complete celibacy. And it's not that there's a judgment against sexual activity. But in a retreat setting, it's a really powerful opportunity to be aware of sexual energy if or when it arises and to refrain from acting out on it. So in a way, in the spirit of silence, we're giving each other the space to really go inwards 
And so if there's sexual attraction, we make a, a conscious choice not to express it outwardly and really give each other space to um, be safe and to go inwards. So the fourth one is the undertaking the training precept to refrain from false speech. Obviously not lying, but it also includes harmful speech, unhelpful speech, gossip, that kind of thing. And perhaps you think, oh, well, we'll be in silence, so I'm off the hook there. But in the silence, it's often surprising how our inner speech, our thoughts, become even louder. And so this uh, precept can be really an interesting invitation to notice, how am I speaking to myself? What is the quality of my thoughts? And sometimes when we listen, again, speaking for myself, can be quite shocked at the tone of voice, the kind of judging that uh, James mentioned. So if we want to really refine these precepts, this one can be an invitation to really look at the quality of the speech in my own mind and can I let that go, cultivating kind speech. And then the fifth one is I undertake the training precept to abstain from using substances that cloud the mind and heart. And in some ways, that's quite obvious. We're all here to see more clearly, so we don't want to be taking substances that get in the way of that process. And it is about things like alcohol and recreational drugs. It doesn't include prescription medications. So if you're taking prescription medication, please continue. This is really more about things that cloud the mind. And we do have coffee, so if you're into coffee... That's also permissible. So again, I'll just go through what those five precepts are. Um, I'll say them again in English, and you might like to just silently make your own inner commitment to those as the part of this overall, creating a refuge and a safe container for our inner work. So again, I undertake the training precept to refrain from killing living beings. I undertake the training precept to refrain from taking that which has not been freely offered. I undertake the training precept to abstain from sexual activity that causes harm. I undertake the training precept to refrain from false speech. I undertake the training precept to abstain from using substances that cloud the mind and heart. So just letting that in, the alignment towards the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha, and beginning to cultivate this refined commitment to non-harming for our own benefit, the benefit of each other, and for all the living beings around here. Thank you for that offering. So, uh, we'll have a, a meditation in, in a few moments, but uh, we take a, a few minutes to stretch and uh, move your your body, uh, and then we'll have a closing um, 
practice period. So um, in a, a moment, we'll have our first sitting. I just wanted to um, say a few more words and elaborate on, uh, on Jill's um, taking of the, the precepts. Uh, and, and Helen has uh, an announcement as, as well. Uh, just to clarify, particularly that fourth one around uh, why speech uh, and around uh, the silence and it was it was raised. Well, what about um, reading or writing or other aspects? Mm. If you're new to this kind of a a process, uh, the the silence might seem uh, a bit antisocial or uh, strange. And um, uh, sometimes when people uh, tell their friends, and if their friend, the friends will say, "What? You're going to be quiet for a week? You know, not you." Or that's often a comment. Or how could you do that? Actually, the silence, as I think you'll see, is a tremendous gift and power, and um, a relief. Many people find. Maybe it takes a little bit of getting used to, but it is um, a tremendous support to doing this process because in that verbal communication, as you'll see uh, the end when we break the silence, or maybe even as you start to speak in an interview, uh, it's um, there's a, a a kind of sense of ease that you don't have to complicate things with communication. Communication is very complicated. Uh, you do it all the time, but there's a lot going on. What did they mean by that? Or how can I communicate just what I, I really mean? And it is a tremendous relief to not have to be witty, not have to be uh, clever, not have to engage as much as you care about others not need to um, sort out uh, another's mind. It's one thing to sit with your own mind, but then you've got another to deal with. Uh, this simplifies things tremendously. And in that silence, you actually are um, able to see what is going on within this mind in a much more profound, uh, unique way than is normally available. So um, I really, uh, Jill and I both want to impress upon you, uh, it's a great gift to the community to honor that silence. As Helen said, if there are things that need to be communicated by all means, if it's a, in the middle of a work meditation or in a Q&A or if you're needing to say something, then that is completely within the, the sphere of uh, the noble silence. But anything that's not absolutely necessary, uh, to please 
stay within yourself. And when people um, forget that and, um, and just want to reach out, uh, then it's not only going to ha have an effect on your own process, but on others around, both anyone who feels a need to respond or not respond, or to others who see that the, the container is, is not quite as supportive as, uh, as they, they would prefer. So the noble silence is, is tremendously helpful. Uh, and after not that long a time, uh, you'll probably find that um, it's, uh, it's a great gift to yourself as well as to everybody else. As for um, other ways of communicating, I'll just mention a few. One is uh, nonverbal communication. We can say a lot without using words. Uh, you probably noticed, you know, if you feel somebody's body language or a look on their face, uh, it can, it can have an effect on your own, uh, your own inner world. In uh, in communication, uh, there's the, this thing called the Morabian rule, where 55% uh, of communication is in body language. You know, what is it? 38% is in tone of of your your voice, and 7% is around content. So we're eliminating the tone of voice, uh, but um, just be mindful that you don't need to engage people in a nonverbal way. Don't feel that you're being unfriendly if you don't smile and acknowledge people as they go by you or wave hi or something like that. That's extra. And certainly if eyes meet and uh, just by happenstance, don't feel guilty, don't scold yourself, but don't go looking to engage others. You might, if you feel that urge, get in touch with where that urge is coming from and then be within yourself. You can, it doesn't mean that you, you don't have to wish others well as you go by. You can do a little loving-kindness practice if, if you feel a connection with somebody, may you be happy. But they don't, they'll just feel the energy without necessarily having that connection. Um, and as for reading and uh, writing, it's recommended not to, uh, not to read while you're on retreat. You'll have enough entertainment going on right here. Um, at certain times, it can be uh, it can be a support, but I would speak to um, you know, speak to one of us if if it seems like uh, you need some extra input. Uh, as for writing, this is a a delicate one. Um, again, if you can be very simple about your practice, so you're not writing. This is not time to start your novel or to you know do reams of journal writing 
keep it simple. If something is in your mind and it's, you're wondering for the next eight hours if you'll remember it when you go home, better to write a few words, a few key words, and just remind yourself so you can put it down. Um, but very, very simple. Be on the, on the um, yeah, on that, um, that simple side. Um, so I hope that, that makes sense. Any question about any of that? Now, it doesn't mean you've got to be grim. You know, well, I've got to look down and be serious. And we are not cultivating grimness here. I taught awakening joy for many years for a reason. And we'll be talking about how this is a path of well-being and happiness. So if you're finding, don't confuse um, contained internal practice with grimness. Uh, you might practice with a smile on your face or keep a smile in your heart and to wish others well as you pass them by, as I say. But uh, it's just that extra level of reaching out and connection that uh, you can, uh, you'll find is a, uh, not as supportive of your practices as you might otherwise have. So, and then uh, Helen, you had a couple of announcements. Ready? <laughs> Get set. <clears throat> Stop. <laughs> so we'll we'll have this uh, first uh, practice period, and it'll be a short period. I know that um, many of you have had long days just to even get here, even from Melbourne, is a uh, uh, a lot that that uh, you need to do. So uh, this won't be a that long a set. Maybe uh, oh, 10, 10 or fifteen minutes or so. Um, Want to say also from the outset that uh, don't make it any more difficult than need needs to happen. If you are relatively new to the practice and you're sitting on the ground um, and you're um, kind of trying to find the perfect posture and you're finding that your body is um, is is not enjoying that and and not cooperating, and it becomes a struggle. Uh, don't hesitate to sit in a chair. Some of the wisest people I know sit in chairs. There's nothing holy about sitting on the floor. So uh, and maybe we'll we'll go over a little bit of posture pointers um, uh, sometime tomorrow. Uh, but just know that that's always available, and there's some uh, some couch space and some chairs around, and uh, uh, plenty of chairs in the uh, in the next room. So, with that in mind, um, just find a posture that you can be reasonably still and uh, upright, unless your body. 
needs to uh, to go into another posture around and it's helpful if the spine is long which means having a kind of uh, upright dignity Thich Nhat Hanh has a, a beautiful um, instruction think of yourself like a mountain that's strong worthy of respect here for any changes in the weather and at the same time with that upright alertness uh, let there be a sense of ease and receptivity so if there's any places of tension or holding invite them to soften you might do a quick scan through your body starting with your head your face your um, eyes your jaw forehead down through your neck and shoulders your arms your chest and belly torso down through your hips and pelvic area through your legs knees calves feet toes just invite a softening so there's this balance between upright alertness and open receptivity and as you're sitting here feel a connection with the earth feel the earth underneath you it's here for you feel its support and then you might take a few deeper breaths and breathe in a calming energy let it fill your whole body and as you breathe out let go relax let go of anything that you don't need And then let the breath find its own rhythm. Let the breath breathe you. You don't have to make it happen. Let yourself be breathed. in this practice we'll start off with the the very simple fact that you're breathing as you sit here over the course of the days we'll open up to include more and more parts of our experience but it's helpful to establish that home base so that whenever you are confused or lost or scattered you can simply come back to the experience of breathing as you sit
for some people, breathing is is not the the optimal primary object, and there are other alternatives. But we'll talk about that a bit more uh, tomorrow. Right now, just know that you're sitting here, breathing. And as you do this, you can let the mind be relaxed and spacious. You don't need to push anything away. The sounds or the other parts of experience, sensations or thoughts can just be in the background. Let your mind be spacious and simply guide it to the foreground, knowing that you're sitting here, breathing, And as I said earlier, whenever you find that your mind has wandered, drifted off, ah, that's a chance to come back to this moment with kindness and begin again.
let your attention connect with the breath in a very simple, interested, kind way. You can make it like a game, just to see how present you can be, sitting here quietly, breathing.
Once the meditation ends, let go of any kind of evaluation of how you did. If you were sleepy or you were all over the map or wherever, don't take it personally. You just do the best you can. No problem at all. And if you happen to be clear, enjoy it. Don't expect that that will happen each time. Uh, just whatever it was is what it was. And all you need to do is uh, show up with as much intention to be present as you can. And whatever happens is not your responsibility. Just keeping on coming back to that sincerity, that's all. <clears throat> so, you're probably ready for rest. Um, it is now just after 9.20, and what, wake up is at 6 tomorrow? So, that's a good eight and a half hours from now. Sounds a lot better than six. Uh, and uh, get some good rest. And uh, what, the first sitting is at 6.30? Is that it? Um, yeah. And we'll come back here to start fresh in the morning. And um, before you go to sleep, here's a little tip. If you want to bring your practice, and I would encourage you to, Bring your practice throughout your day here, besides the sitting and the walking. Whatever you do is uh, a practice of mindfulness, of brushing your teeth, or washing up, or getting ready for bed. And in particular, there's one moment that I will uh, invite you to be present for perhaps the sweetest moment in the day. The moment that you slip under the covers, under the sheets, get into bed, and pull your blankie over you. Don't miss it. It's a great moment to be present for. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I hope you, you get a sense that uh, there are many moments to be present for as you go through the day that are quite sweet and lovely. The simplest moments, even as you brush your teeth and take good care of yourself. Notice that. Mm. Thank you, teeth. Mm. And as you wash up, as you slip into a, a bed that's here for you to comfort you, you're allowed to enjoy those as well. It's not cheating. It's good, good practice. So sleep well and uh, see you in the morning. Yes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org/slash.
donate.